0: Right now, I think we're going to continue on with, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So, w- last time, uh, we were, we were chatting there a moment ago, Keith, and we were talking about how the, you, your life had pretty much become, I guess, soaked with substance abuse, um, not in a good place at all. And another indigenous pastor has come by, had prayer with you, and invited you to church. You've gone along to church there, and uh, yeah, where does the story go to from there?
2: I, I continued. Going to church after that, that first day, experience. just, just want to highlight that, that first time I walked into the church doors, I couldn't go alone. So I encouraged my, my, my older sister who, who's passed away now and my cousin to come. I really needed the, the support to go, even though they weren't going to church either at the time. So, um, I, I really encouraged them to come. So and I got there and that experience was nice, um, I continued on my journey, um, but I still had the the alcohol and the drugs. I'd go to church and I'd hear, hear Johnny preach some, some wonderful messages of hope. And I'd go home and I'd buy a carton and whatnot and just sit back and watch the footy if it's footy season, which it was around the time. Um, and um, so that continued for two, three months. And until one morning I woke up and I thought, well, I don't feel like going to church today. I think I'll just give it a break. Um, and just stay home. Uh, and this was, this was forged on because when I opened my freezer, I found a bottle of beer, three big bottles of beer there. I thought, oh, I'll just have two beers today. And I, I opened that beer up and, and I stood over the sink and I looked out the, out the back window and a strong voice. And it was, it was like someone was standing right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't see them, but I can hear the voice and it said to me, Keith, today is the day you need to make a decision. Mm. No, more sitting, no more sitting on the fence. You're either with me or against me. Which one are you? And my face just went pale. And, you know, where you, your jaw just drops. And it's like automatically the beer, as I had open, I tipped it down the sink. I opened the fridge. I tipped the rest of the alcohol down the sink. I grow, found me me, um, me me marijuana that I had there. I, got that and threw it out all over the grass so I couldn't recollect it. So I ripped up the cigarettes that I had, got dressed and I went to church. And I, and I kept going to church. And I kept... Uh, that day, by the way, Johnny encouraged me to have Bible studies. And I thought, well, it's been a long time since I've done that and I really want to get into this. And, and there was some really decent Bible studies back then um, and all of our prophecies and that. And I said, yeah, no, I'll do that, bruh. So we made a time um, and I still through the Bible studies. I still, um, I remember, you know, having it going home with a couple of bottles and that. So it wasn't a clencher but but the thing is, is that it was a, it was the start for me to say, okay, you need to keep working at this, working on because we need to work on our sins. Mm. Um, and uh, and I kept working on it and got to the day when I got baptized, and um, oh, I felt I felt amazing. It was. It wasn't the doves and that didn't fly up or anything, but my heart felt right. I felt right and I felt, I finally feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey. And from that day on, when I hit the, the baptism font, nothing came back into my life, drugs, alcohol, it all just went away. All my bad habits, my fleshy ways of living were just gone. So I give my heart to God. Mm. Praise and, God. Um, that, and that week, I... Um, I um, I ended up going up to the Blue Mountains uh, with a, one of the lady friends from church who invited me. Um, I thought her and her sister were going, but it was just her. Anyhow, yeah, I went up to the mountains and um, sat up there and she told me about how she felt about me. And um, I thought, oh, she oh, got baptized. And now I've got this beautiful woman telling me how, how she feels about me. And um, I ended up dating that lady and... Um, that lady was the lady that I shook hands with the front of my sister's house that day. She was a literature evangelist. How um nice. Danuta Marcos. <laughs> Danuta Marcos was her name and you you both know my wife. Um and um now we're gonna be the, we're gonna be um, talking
1: to Danuta Stockwell. So that's Danuta Stockwell. <laughs> we're gonna talk to Danuda Stockwell, I think, next Thursday and hear her yeah. so, her
2: story as well. She'll, so this. she'll she'll probably give you a different version, but that's all I <laughs> do. Uh, but but the thing is is um is I I dated her, and it was a very quick um, wedding. uh, I said to her, I said, uh, is this for keeps? Because I've had so many heartbreaks in my life, and and I just want to, you know, if I'm going to go into something, I want to be strong about it, because I've got a really strong feeling for you. And we both agreed um, there and then that, you know, this is for keeps. And um, we got married, and... From that journey onwards, uh, I started doing the literature work. I, I worked working my old job for a little bit, but then got impressed upon my heart to go into the the LE work, the, the literature evangelist work. I started doing that for about two years. Uh, as, as hard as it's been to knock on doors, now I learned how to connect with people um, from that sort of version of um, of um, uh, of the work. Uh, then. God, again, I pressed on, impressed upon my heart to go to Monorifer College in Perth to, to study to be a pastor. And um, it was as hard as it was for us both. I didn't want to do it, but God called me to do it. I started college and, oh, well, I didn't start college. Uh, John Langley, the, the president of North New South Wales at that time, called me about a position out of Perth. So I accepted the position, started studying, um, and... We've done a church plan out in the West, uh, Brew Warner, which is still going today. And lovely young lady who's a minister in our conference now, Doreen Waits, is looking after church. We actually baptized her together, my wife and I. So, um, it's been a, it's been a a, 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 longish journey, but it's been really worthwhile. But, but there's one thing out of all of this, Lila, I'd like to say, and, and that is, any mum, any dad, any man, any caretaker, anyone who's looking after young people, please, you know, that they may walk away from the Lord, and especially our Adventist and young people. They may walk away from the Lord, never give up on praying, because I know my mother prayed daily for me, my grandmother prayed. Um, they continuously prayed, but never give up on them because Whatever we have got breath in our lungs, there's always hope that we can come back to the Lord. So if there's anything that uh, people can take away from this today, yeah, don't give up on your young people or anyone in your, in your life that has gone astray because Jesus never gives
1: up on us. Absolutely. Keith, thank you so much for sharing with us here on Faith FM this morning. One quick question before you go. You mentioned right at the beginning that you are currently in charge of a church plant. If uh, one of our listeners was in the uh, Newcastle-Lower Hunter region wanted to come along to that church plant, where would they find that?
2: That would be in the main street of Windale. Now, I'm only only fresh to the area, so I don't know the exact name of the street, but the main street, there is a there is like a town hall right next to the little shops there. Um, that's where the, the church plant is, is currently operating.
1: And that'll be on a Saturday morning, what, uh, 9.30, 10 o'clock?
2: Sa- Saturday morning, uh, 10 o'clock uh, is the usual start, although we started a little bit late last week. So, yeah, if you get there at 10 o'clock, the door's open then, so...
1: Fantastic! Yep. So, if you'd like to meet Keith and uh, and maybe hear his story or hear what else he has to uh, share from the Word of God, then uh, head along there to uh, the Windale Town Hall at ten o'clock on a Saturday morning. And he's got a little church plant going there. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Keith, and may God bless you in your ministry and in your walk with God.
2: Thanks, Lor. God bless.
1: That was uh, Keith Stockwell sharing his story. What an amazing mm, testimony!
0: That was awesome. You yeah. know, imagine
1: standing at your sink right there on a Saturday morning, under conviction that you should be at church, <laughs> having decided not to go to church, having decided to have a beer instead, and God just speaks to you right then and there. Oh. Make mm. a decision. Make it here. Make it now.
0: And I love how many people were actually involved in that story. Yes. All these different people. You know, he said, you know, his mum, grandma were praying, then there was, you know, Ellie knocks on his door, and then Pastor Johnny comes like, all right, I'll see you at church, <laughs> I like, you know, love that. It's a journey, right? Uh-huh. And I love. It. He's like, "Hey, God doesn't give up on people, so you don't, you
1: know." So who gets who gets the star in their crown for Keith? Oh, <laughs> this is Ooh. a question that I want to know. Yeah. You know, we, <laughs> of course, there's this tradition. We all get a star in our crown for everybody that we bring to the Lord, and I say that everybody does. Mm. Everybody who's involved. That's yeah. Um, yeah, great stuff.
2: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
1: We're running behind schedule. It is encounter with God time. Um, we, but that was worth hearing. That oh, was a story worth hearing. So, test stories
0: are so powerful.
1: They are. Um, but before we do, a couple of uh, text messages. I know a bunch of you have wanted to have your say about the whole uh, Facebook act of domestic terrorism. What did it that's say on your thing,
0: Facebook? Is that what it was? Facebook. Yes,
1: Facebook. <laughs> it's classic okay it's interesting how today companies can declare war on nations and actually get away with it yeah all this started when they started attacking um, yeah well it, well it didn't well I, I'll disagree with it started attacking president Trump but I've been attacking a lot of people from a long time before that if they can do that to the most powerful leader on the planet and get away with it and and that was actually I mean yeah that was just it, it makes no difference whether you are Republican or Democrat, Mm. when you have private corporations that close down the free speech of the President of the United States, Mm. the duly elected President of the United States, that is wild. Oh, yeah. You know, regardless of whether you like the guy or not, regardless of whether you think he's got good policies or bad policies, regardless of any of that, he is the duly elected president of the United States and you're going to shut him? <sighs> wow. Yeah. No. The, I, okay, so I've gone from disagreeing to, well, <laughs> slightly disagreeing. It didn't start there, but that was definitely a big one. If they can do that to the most powerful leader on the planet and get away with it, what chance <laughs> do we have? They were trying to prove a point to all the world leaders of what will happen if you dare to go against the new world order. I think we all know where this will end and it's not a good place. Oh, I'm going to disagree again.
0: Okay. What are you yes. going
1: to say? Uh, I, think the, I think the writers actually agrees with me. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. We all do know where this will end. Oh, uh, yeah. And it is actually a good place. It's just, it's just the Bible describes it like birth pains, which means that you go through pain mm. and it gets worse and worse and worse. Until you come to the blessing But that's the thing,
0: we don't know to what extent it's going to get to. Yeah, that's right. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> I, under, ends, I understand
1: exactly what uh, yeah. what our texter is saying right here because, mm. you know, it's, it's all heading towards the enforcement of uh, religious uh, laws and, you know, Mark of the Beast, yeah. not being able to buy and sell, all that kind of stuff. We've read the Bible. We know where it's heading.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the Bible says, when you see these things come to pass, lift up your heads because you know that Jesus is coming soon.
0: Yeah. Mm. Hard
1: out, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think that's uh, the super encouraging there. One, one there. Okay, another text message. Um, Facebook, love it. Around eighty percent of views for our little ministry um, on YouTube it comes from this is a happy diver from Facebook. If Australia went Facebook free, our God, who is bigger than them, would bless His ministries in other ways. Trust mm. the Lord.
0: Yeah, hey, that's a good point, right?
1: Like Absolutely. if it's God's
0: ministry anyway, God's gonna open doors. Like God can do anything. Like,
1: yeah. We're not we're not yeah. <laughs> we're not constrained by technology mm. when it comes to sharing the word of God.
0: Yeah. You know, God
1: can God has every every opportunity and every power of making things go viral mm. without Facebook.
0: We so I have a small group which I'm part of on a Thursday night. Such a good crew of people. Uh, and last night we were looking at the verse, uh, the chapter in Acts where Peter is in jail and the angels come release him and he's knocking on the door. And I just find it such an interesting story that as they're praying for his release, he's being released. And then the people are like, no, no, it's probably not really Peter, right? And I think that this is a God who is full of ability to do things. Just because we don't think it's going to be answered the way we expect doesn't mean it can't happen, you know. So if, if it's Facebook, if it's something else, if, so, you know, closes down, God will open ways,
1: yes. you know. Yes, indeed. Indeed he will. Okay, let's get to our Bible study. Let's uh, dig into it. Well, let me look yeah, up where we're heading with our time. Bible study. We probably, uh, let me see oh, here. I think we what finished think off I Chapter 40 yesterday. Did we finish did we? Chapter 40? We did. Oh. Well, at least
0: we read Chapter 40.
1: All right, we're going to focus on a couple of verses in chapter 40, though. We're going to particularly look at uh, verse 19 and 20. So Isaiah 40, verse 19 okay. and
0: 20. All right, as usual, I'm just going to uh, say a word of prayer before I begin. Uh, Papa, Lord God, I just, oh, I thank you so much that you are our God, that you're a creator and you're on our side, and that when we're doubting, you are sure, and when we're lacking, you are, um, yeah, just full of what we need Um yeah, thank you for your goodness and God just teach us more of who you are. Amen.
1: Somebody just texted through yeah. to say, remember the angel of Revelation 18. So for those of you who are listening in and don't remember the angel of Revelation 18, the angel of Revelation of 18 comes just before the return of Christ. Mm. And the Bible says the entire world is lightened with his glory. Mm. And he has a gospel message yeah. to share to the entire world. And that gospel message is Babylon is fallen, come out of her, my people. Yeah. And uh, that's the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Who needs Facebook yeah. if you have the latter rain?
0: <laughs> Wee, there you go. There it is. Yeah, right? <laughs> now think about that. Think
1: about that. In the Bible, the, the Holy Spirit is symbolized by rain mm. and the Outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost is symbolizes the early rain. Bible prophesies that'll happen again just before Jesus comes back.
0: Yes. This is so important, right? And the Bible says We don't need Facebook. Yeah. The Bible's like, if I'm giving you the spirit that literally raised Jesus back to life. Like that's the spirit I'm giving you.
1: you know? <laughs> Wait, yeah, that's right. That's un- <laughs> you
0: know, and we're like, Oh, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> He's
1: like How will I survive?
0: Yeah. It's like you don't need to know. You just need to trust me.
1: Yeah. I say just ditch the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Just, ScoMo, just get out there and uh, the world will be a better place. Anyway, we're sidetracked.
0: Okay, so verse 19 and 20 of chapter 40. Can he, this is God, can he be uh, compared to an idol formed in a mould, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver change? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Oh, no, sorry, he is not God. He is, is it? Yeah, it is. It's who we can marry and God to.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's right. So
0: I had to get some context there. I was like, oh, what are we talking about? (laughs)
1: Okay, so to give that a little bit of context, what you find with uh, pagan religions, as in idolaters, Mm. uh, religions who practice the worship of idols, if you talk to somebody, they're quite well aware that the carving that they have in front of them is not actually uh, a living, breathing being that is divine. Yeah. Because, you know, they will have, you know, let's say they've got the god Baal, let's say that's their Baal is their is their god of preference, and you find every Phoenician home with a statue of Baal in it. It's not like that there's lots of Baals. Yeah. They're not really that silly. Mm. Human beings are smarter than that. They recognize that. And what they will say is, no, this is not the actual God, and when we bow down and worship the idol, we're not actually worshipping the piece of stone that's in front of us or the piece of wood that's in front of us. They'll say this is a representation of that God to remind us of who he is and what his character is, what his different aspects are, etc., etc., etc.
2: And...
1: God said, you shall not have any carved images. You're not going to make any carved images of me because there is no way that you can carve anything that could ever be a representation of the ruler and creator of the universe. Yeah. Now, I have people today who have all kinds of, you know, religious statues and carvings in their home from many different faith backgrounds, some of them from Christian faith backgrounds. And I've asked them the same question. You know, why do you pray to that particular statue there of, you know, it might be Mary, whoever it might be. Um, you know, I've got uh, Buddhist friends that have a statue of Buddha and so forth and um, I've got, uh, I, I know people and have been to like a Shinto temple where they, you know, have all these different statues and they worship them and, you know, give them food and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, that's just a piece of stone, right? And they're like, well, yeah, absolutely. It's just a reminder of, uh, mm. it's a reminder to help us to, you know, remember who this this person is. And this is what God says, don't do. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't have anything to do with it. And you've got those kind of things in your home, get rid of them out of your home. Um, and you know, and, and this is and this is why, because here in, in Isaiah chapter 40, as it points out, it says, you know, who are you going to compare God to? You're really going to make a carving of God? You're really going to make a carving of Jesus Christ? You're really going to get a representation of Jesus Christ by carving on a piece of stone or clay or wood. That can break or decay or white ants eat it? Mm-hmm. How many statues of Jesus Christ have been you know, eaten by white ants? You can't compare God to any of these things. And this is why God says, don't go there. Don't make carved images. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Fantastic. All right, let's uh, head back to our Bible study. We were talking about idolatry, and you'll notice that the last line of uh, the song that we were just listening to, you know, if any idol, tear it from me, take it Mm. away, whatever whatever that idol be. That's right. Let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of the idols out of our life. Okay, so what is it about idols? You know, what's the real problem there? Apart from the fact that you cannot make a depiction of God, what's the real problem with an idol? I mean, why not have a bit of a depiction of Jesus Christ and pray to it.
0: I mean, I think the thing can become the thing you're worshipping,
1: right? So then rather than actually speaking to a real person and having a real relationship and an intimate connection, Mm. you have a thing that hangs on your wall.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. Let's go to Isaiah 41 and verse 29. If you could read that one for us, please, Minnie.
0: Yes, yeah, says. See, they are all foolish, worthless things. All your idols are as empty as the wind.
1: Okay, so uh, how does Isaiah characterize idols here in this passage?
0: They're just nothing. They're worthless. They're, they're empty. There's nothing that contains life or hope or anything like they're Or value? No, there's no value at there's all. No value. He says, you know, these are foolish and worthless. Like, <laughs> Could you imagine someone saying that about your God? Foolish and worthless. Yeah, that's pretty Do you know what I mean? on. That's, that's pretty fun That's fun. actually solid language. But he's like, don't you understand?
1: You know, it kinda reminds me of one of the greatest um, the greatest uh, hostage scenarios our world has ever seen. And I've spoken about this before, but I'll just run through it again. This was this was um, and and I'm bit of a historical twist here but when Cyrus the Persian was marching on the Babylonian empire mm. uh the Nabonidus the king at that particular time was very very unpopular with you know he was he was an Assyrian guy and uh, very, very unpopular with the Babylonian people. And so he'd sort of gone out into the desert to uh, to be a, become a mystic and left the city in charge of his son, Belshazzar. But when the, when the Persians are coming, he's not getting a whole lot of support from the Babylonians. A lot of Babylonians are looking at the Persians as liberators. Mm. That's not a good thing. And so to motivate them to fight against the Babylonians, what he does is he takes captive their gods and holds them hostage in the city of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Now... As we were saying, people back then were not so naive and primitive. They're no more naive or primitive than what we are today. And so did they really think that all of these deities, these divine beings had been taken captive to Babylon? No. What was Nabonidus doing? Nabonidus was uh, demonstrating that if I have the power to take their images captive. yeah. I can do this because I have conquered you as a nation and the reason I have conquered you as a nation is because my gods are more powerful than your gods and if I've conquered you, then uh, I have nothing to fear from your gods and because I have nothing to fear from your gods because my gods are more powerful than your gods, then I'll take all of their images captive and let's see what those gods do about it. Yeah. And they're not going to do anything about it at all. And this is why you have Belshazzar's feast happening. Because Belshazzar, Yahweh was the one God who couldn't be taken captive because there was no image. And it's like, well, I need to show that I'm also more powerful, you know, Belshazzar is uh, I'm also more powerful than Yahweh, and so we're going to have a feast and we're going to desecrate the emblems that belong to Yahweh in that particular feast. This is a message that he's sending out to the Babylonian uh, people. You do not need to worry about Yahweh. You do not need to worry about the prophecies of Yahweh. You do not need to worry about what Daniel is saying Mm. or has said in the past about the rise of the Persian Empire because our gods are stronger than all of these other gods. Yeah. You know, we've taken we've taken the gods of so many nations captive and we have them all here and none of them have done a thing and Yahweh's not going to do anything either. Mm-hmm. Except he, he does. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Except he does.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you imagine, imagine being in that banquet hall when Yahweh turns up
0: oh, yeah.
1: and writes on the wall. It's no wonder the Bible says that Belshazzar wet himself. Mm. It's just sheer terror. Yeah, amazing stuff. Okay, so let's go on here. There's a whole bunch of p- verses that we could look at. Which one will we look at next? Um, there's a good quote right here. Many who bear the name of Christians are serving other gods besides the Lord. Mm. Yeah. And this is not just Christians who have their, their their home full of images. Our Creator demands our supreme devotion, our first allegiance. Anything which tends to abate our love for God or to interfere with the service due Him becomes thereby an idol. So, you know, we can sit back, you and I, many, mm. and piously say, well, we don't have any images in our We've got, you know, it's none of that. Wouldn't even think about it. But do we?
0: Mm, there's still things in our lives, right?
1: Whatever is highest yeah. in your life
0: yeah.
1: is the God that is in your life.
0: Yeah.
1: And when it comes down to it, the highest form of worship is obedience. Because worship is the total giving of yourself to somebody else, a divine being. And if God says, do this, and instead we decide to do that, so rather than doing this, which God says, we do that, then whatever it is motivating us to do that, is obviously higher in our life than God. Mm. And that's where our idol is. Yeah, And that's what we need to surrender. That's where we need, need to make God number one in our life. And for a lot of us as Christians, there are lots of things in our life that we're prepared to compromise on and to compartmentalise on simply so that because we like them and because we want them. Mm. And so... Uh, as a result of that, we sort of put God aside and go and do our own thing, and we don't recognise that we are actually worshipping the thing, our own thing. Mm.
0: And I would say this can be insidious. Like sometimes, I remember talking to someone once, oh, I can't even remember how we were, but it was something along the lines of you were like, if you're wondering what the thing is that you love, look at the things you're willing to give up for that thing, right? So if I'm like, I love you, Jesus, but, man, I'd rather hang out with the people than not get sleep. And so because I'm not getting sleep, I don't have time to spend with you. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes the things don't have to be inherently bad, but the fact that they're taking the place of God in your heart is putting a division. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like something's just are blatantly like this is destroying your life, man. Like it just is.
1: So here's, here's an interesting test mm. for yourself. You know when those times when you're just alone and your brain just goes into free will, mm. you know, just starts to rotate all by itself, Yeah. Why, where is its default position? Ooh, yes. Where does it default to? Yeah. Does it default to God? Somewhere else. else. If it's defaulting somewhere else, you know what the gods are in your life. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is now time for Question of the Day.
0: Okay, our question today, we were talking about idols in our Encounter with God section. Is it wrong to have images in your home, such as stuffed toys and photos,
1: etc.? All right. So we were talking about religious images earlier. Yes. And, you know, you might find a statue of Buddha in some homes. You might start find a statue of Mary or Jesus in other homes, etc. And the Bible says not to have these kinds of images. Um, That's very clear if you go to Exodus chapter 20. So these are images that involve worship, Mm. that are related to worship. And the Bible says we shouldn't have images that relate to worship. Photographs and teddy bears do not relate to worship. Uh, Photographs relate to memories and teddy bears. Bears relate to play mm. and soft squishiness.
0: <laughs> yeah, something to cuddle.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. So what we need to do is to look for a biblical precedent on this. Um, you know, I have actually twice in my life met people who no, three times. We, we counted about three times people who have no photos, no toys, no likeness of anything mm. that God has made in the in the home. And uh, yeah, I remember one family where um, you know the the little girls were playing with a a plastic bottle that had been dressed in baby clothes, and they were pretending it was a baby. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, what's the difference? Just play with a doll, mm. you know. Anyway, um, here's what the Bible says. If we go to Exodus chapter twenty, let's read it right here. Um, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto you any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. If the Bible stopped there, these people would be right. Mm. The Bible doesn't stop there, so therefore they are extremists. They need to read the next verse. It says, you shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me. The issue here is worship.
2: Mm.
1: Now, if you want clarification on that, you simply have to look at what happens a few chapters later as the children of Israel or the Israelites are passing through a particular part of the desert that is infested with snakes. What was it that God asked them to make?
0: That's right, a bronze
1: A carved yeah, that's
0: right, Im- snake. Yes.
1: On a pole. Which
0: they were to look at.
1: Which they were to look at. Mm. Not to worship. Yes. But they were to look at it. Mm. Okay, so an image in and of itself, making an image, mm. having an image in and of itself is not wrong. Mm. The issue is worship. Now that carved image of that snake was kept with the, the Israelites for many, many years. It was kept in the sanctuary. There came a time in the future in which the Israelites went into idolatry. They took that carved image of the the snake out of the sanctuary and they worshipped it. And the moment they did, God said, destroy it.
0: Mm -hmm, That's right.
1: So we can see very, very clearly here that God is talking about the issue of worship in relationship to carved images not the issue of just having a photograph or a teddy bear for your kids to play with, or a doll or whatever else it might be. Uh, the Bible is not referring to those kinds of things that relate to play or to memories. It is referring, or paintings even. You know, there's so many different things. Uh, there's a there's a beautiful uh, painting, digital painting on our wall right here, of uh, I guess the crossing of the Red Sea, um, and you know. We've got a a nice calendar that somebody gave us last year that we hung on the wall Mm. and uh, missed some of it because we got kicked out of this room, but it was really amazing. Um, You know, the Bible is not speaking about those kinds of things. The Bible says you shall not have images that are associated with worship. That's the issue right there. We're going to move on.
2: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.